Well, before we get started, there's a couple of things that I wanted to let you know about. And the first thing is October 7th, we're having our Forerunners breakfast. So if you are a Kapuna who are 55 or better, this is for you. And what we want to do is honor you and thank you for the groundwork that you've laid. Because this church is going to get to keep going and going because of what you've done. So on the 7th, come have a free breakfast. We're going to have bacon and eggs, brown rice, pancakes, um, fresh fruit, and a bingo lounge for the Kapunas. And that's if you're 55 or better. And um, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to give you a hint. I'm close to that age, so when I get there, it will then be 65 and better. Okay. Okay. Then on December 10th, many of you have heard, we have, we're going to kick off our Christmas season with a concert with the Katinas. So if you want more information on that, um, check out our website at newhopehilo.org or go and find us on Facebook. But come and um, celebrate the Christmas season. Um, these guys are awesome. Okay? Well, welcome to the Wednesday Night Equip. And the purpose for these services is so that we, as um, the more mature Christians, would be encouraged, that we would grow in our walk with Jesus, and that we would move forward in the calling that God has placed on each of our lives. So if this is your first time to an equipped service, you're going to have noticed a few things already. When you walked into the door and you received your notes and opened them, they were perfectly blank. It's not because I forgot to send anything. It's because we want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And he's going to direct you in what he's doing in your life. And then those things that you catch, write those things down. Make note of them and then practice them during the week. The second thing that you'll notice is that these screens here, we won't put the scriptures up. And that's because we encourage you to bring your Bibles or your device that you have your online Bible on and then follow along with us in the scriptures as we read. And so that way we'll get to know the word of God and where things are. Okay? Well, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the miracles of Jesus. Now, it's hard to put all of Jesus' miracles under one heading. We can't say that all miracles are healing, even though a lot of times when we face an illness, whether it's our own or a loved one's, what we do is we pray and we ask for a miracle. We can't simply define miracles this way. We need to understand that while not all miracles are healings, every healing is a miracle. Now, last week, Pastor Sheldon shared that Jesus had so much compassion for the people that when he healed, it was out of that compassion. Today, when Jesus heals, it's out of the same heart of compassion, but it's so that we will meet the healer. And whenever there's a healing, that isn't the bottom line. God's purpose in healing isn't healing. There's another purpose. See, healing should cause us to glorify God, to honor him and to praise him for the mercy that he's given to us. But the greatest healing that will ever be received is the healing of salvation when someone receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that is the healing that every single one of us gets to receive. And so we should be a people who are consistently praising and honoring God. So before we do anything else tonight, let's do that. Let's honor God by bowing our heads in prayer, okay? Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God of miracles. We thank you that you are a God of relationship and that you want a relationship with us. 
Thank you that we're your children. And we pray that tonight you would open our eyes and our hearts so that we would hear your word and that we would leave here in the process of being changed from glory to glory into your image and that we would be your church out in the community. Amen. Amen. Well, please open your Bibles to the book of Matthew and we're going to be in chapter 4 and we're going to start at verse 23. Now, When God heals us, he doesn't do it so that we'll be comfortable for the rest of our lives. Because we need to remember that when God heals us, no matter how wonderful it is, how miraculous a moment it is, it's not forever. Our bodies will continue to decay. They will wrinkle. And no matter how healthy we eat or how often we exercise, our bodies will continue to decay and fall apart. It's the nature of living in the natural world. When we're ill, it helps us to anticipate what it's going to be to live in a glorified body that God has prepared for us when we enter into eternity. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I got hit with that same flu that everybody else got, and I literally slept two complete days away. Everything hurt. My head hurt. My um, body hurt. I had a fever. My throat was scratchy. I had no energy, and all I could do was grumble and complain. That was only two days. Imagine if I was sick for a long time. But there's going to come a time when God is going to give us a glorified body, when there's not going to be any pain or any sickness. There's better days ahead. And when those times come when we're sick, it reminds us that there are definitely better days ahead. Now, There are times when God will choose to intersect in our lives and give us a gift of healing. And when that happens, he heals for two reasons. The first is he has power and authority over disease. He's Yahweh, the all-sufficient, all-powerful, only God who always was, always will be. And the second reason is so that we will praise him and give him the glory. So by now, your Bibles should be open to Matthew 4. Uh, We're going to read from 23 and 25. Follow along. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Now the reason that the people were following Jesus is because his fame had spread. His reputation had gone before him, and the people recognized that this man had power and authority unlike any they had ever seen before. So now I'm going to ask you, flip your Bibles over to the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 7. Now one day, as Jesus is teaching the people, a frantic father approaches him. His daughter is sick. She's on the verge of dying. But this father remembers that he's heard some talk about this man, this teacher who is able to heal. So he rushes to find him. Well, Jesus gets up to follow this desperate man to his, fa- to his daughter's bedside. But 
It is not going to be an uneventful trip. So follow along with me as I read, starting from verse 20 of chapter 7. Okay, you guys got it? Okay. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once, the woman was made well. When Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, he said, Leave, for the girl has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. This news spread throughout all that land. And as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout all that land. And as they were going out, a mute, a demon-possessed man was brought to him. And after the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds were amazed and were saying, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. The people had never seen this type of authority over disease before. And they were amazed. Now, if you were here last week, Pastor Sheldon shared that the Apostle Peter stood up and he preached to the people after Jesus' resurrection. And he said, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to, by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst. Now, I looked up the word attest. It means to bear witness, to certify, declare to be correct, true, or genuine, to declare the truth of, in words or writing, especially affirm in an official capacity. Peter declared that Jesus' miracles bore witness that he was the real thing. He wasn't fake. There are people from the surrounding cities and town when Peter stood up to say this, and no one interrupted him. Nobody heckled him, saying, What miracles? I don't know what you're talking about. Peter publicly stated, without anyone contesting him, that God the Father attested Jesus to us through miracles, signs, and wonders. And the people saw all his miracles. They recognized that there was something unique, something different about Jesus' authority, and they followed him. Everywhere that he went, the people were drawn to Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to John, chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. Now, chapter 4, verse 46 through 54. Okay. Now, people would either follow Jesus. They wanted to be near him, 
to see what he would do next, or they would approach him out of need. Now, as Jesus entered the town of Cana, a desperate father again approached him. So follow along as I read, starting in verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea and Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was, it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to them, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Now, we know that Jesus had already done many other miracles. But this was the second recorded miracle that he did in Cana. It was in this very same town that Jesus had performed his first miracle and turned water into wine. And if you were here several weeks ago, we talked about that miracle and how easy it is to overlook it because it wasn't a healing. It wasn't causing the deaf to hear. It didn't cause the blind to see. It was a simple adjustment of a beverage. However, this miracle was so much more. When Jesus turned 180 gallons of water into wine, he was exerting his power and his authority over nature. And this first recorded miracle of Jesus bore witness of, it affirmed, and it declared and attested to Jesus' power and authority over nature. Now, sometimes we overlook or we disregard something that Jesus is doing in our lives Because we don't think it's very huge. We don't see or we are distracted from his power and authority in a situation because we don't understand the importance of it. Let me ask you, has Jesus turned water into wine for you and you missed it? Or you didn't grasp it, that it was the hand of the Lord? Is there an area where Jesus is actively at work and you can't, or you won't see it because it's not the way you expected him to act or the way that you wanted him to be? We cannot, and we must not miss even the smallest act of Jesus because any time that Jesus intersects with our lives, it's a miracle. When Jesus attended the wedding at Cana, His first miracle attested to his power and authority over nature. And as he traveled through Cana a second time, the second miracle that he did in that town attested to his power and his authority over disease. So I'm going to ask you to continue reading with me in John chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And we're actually going to be there for a while, okay? Are you there? 
All right. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now, Bethesda is an English pronunciation of a Greek translation of two Hebrew words. The first word is Beth. And that means house. And the second word, I'm going to try to say it right, is chesed. And that means mercy. Okay, keep a marker in John chapter 5. So put something there. But I'm going to ask you to flip over to the book of Psalms. And we're going to be in Psalms 136. Now, we won't read through the whole psalm, but I want you to know this is known as a psalm of thanksgiving. Okay, so we're going to flip to um, Psalm 136. It's the middle of the Bible. Okay, 136. You guys got it? Almost. Almost? I'm getting it too, and that's without glasses. There it is. Okay. The writer starts out praising God for his goodness. And then he declares some of his good acts towards Israel. Now, I'm going to encourage you, read this psalm at home. But I want to read verses 1 through 3 together. So have you got your Bibles open? Okay, ready? Set? Go. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. His mercy endures forever. And as we look through the Psalms, it's his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. The word that's used over and over and over in this Psalm for mercy is hased. And if you take Beth and hased, it's house of mercy. So Bethesda, translated, is house of mercy. So let's go back over to the book of John. And I want you to remember that Bethesda means house of mercy, okay? Okay, you got your marker in there, so we're going to flip back. And we'll continue our account in verse 3. Okay, and we're talking about the pool of Beth- in Bethesda. Ready? In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the movement of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, there's a lot of discussion about what's happening here. But tonight, I don't want to focus on that. What we need to know is that the waters in Bethesda were therapeutic. And people came here to be healed. However... Whatever happened in this pool was limited to the first person to step in. But then Jesus enters the scene. So let's continue on in verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? 
And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. This is a man who has been ill for 38 years. He's been laying by the waters for a very long time, hoping for something, hoping for a miracle. But the place that he went to for the miracle was limited. And Jesus saw him and met him at his point of need. Now, there's a couple of interesting things in this account. First thing, the pool that is known as Beth Hased, or House of Mercy, is right next to the Sheep Gate. Secondly, the Sheep Gate was the gate that the people would use to bring the sacrificial lambs into the temple area to be sacrificed. Now, we're going to go into the Old Testament for this. We're going to go to the book of Exodus, which is the second book um, after Genesis. And we're going to go to chapter 12. And as you turn there, let me set up what's happening, okay? Moses had gone to Pharaoh several times, saying that God wanted his people to be set free. And each time, Pharaoh had refused, and the land of Egypt had experienced nine destructive plagues. The tenth and final plague is about to be unleashed, and Moses, under God's direction, is preparing the Jewish people for what is to come. So we're going to start in verse 3. And Moses, God is speaking to Moses. He says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Now move all the way down to verse 24. And God says, And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads in worship. When Jesus was on earth in his human form, the people were still walking in obedience to God's command to them. And they still brought their unblemished lambs to be sacrificed during the Passover. And they would bring their lambs through the sheep's gate. And it's here. Next to the sheep gate. The gate that was used to bring the sacrificial lamb into the temple. That the one who would be our sacrificial lamb would out of a heart of chesed or a heart of mercy 
would express his authority and power over disease and heal a man who seemed to have no hope, no power over his situation, and no way to remedy it. And unlike the waters in the pool known as Bethesda or House of Healing, there is no limit to Jesus' power and authority to heal because he is Messiah. He's our sacrificial lamb. He is the one who has and exerts power and authority over nature and over diseases. So let me close with a couple of questions. In what area of your life are you feeling like you have no hope? Where do you feel you are powerless to change or affect things? In what area do you feel stuck? As if you have been in the same situation for a very long time and you keep spinning your wheels, but you just can't seem to get enough traction to move forward. Now, just as Jesus asked the man near the pool at Bethesda, ask yourself, do you want to be healed? And if you were here this past Sunday, Pastor Sheldon shared that we don't have to do it all. We just have to take one small step. So are you ready to take that step to simply ask Jesus to do a miracle in your life? And then are you ready to accept it no matter how small it may seem or even if it comes differently than you expect it to or you desire? Are you ready to allow God to intersect in your life in any way that he chooses and then to praise and honor him for what he chose to do? See, God is the one true God. He alone has authority and power over nature and diseases and he will intersect in our lives on a daily basis and we as his children get to give him praise and honor for what he does so would you close your bibles and let's pray lord you are our all-sufficient all-powerful god you alone have authority and power to move in ways that we don't always see or expect and we yield our hearts and our desires to you and ask that you would have your way in our lives and in our hearts. Would our hearts and our eyes be open to see that you are at work, you are always with us, that you never leave us helpless or hopeless. And as we leave here tonight, would we leave not just filled by your Holy Spirit, but empowered to bring your hope to those around us. Thank you for your chesed. Thank you for your mercy. We love you, Lord. And it's in the powerful, matchless name of Jesus that we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.